AJ Jones. Monsieur Jones. We definitely need a jingle. <laughs> the time See, has come. It's time. It's time for a jingle. <laughs> okay, enough. <laughs> Weekly catch up. Yes. Anything exciting happening this week? Yeah. Nope, let's move on. Oh. Oh, I'm just kidding. What happened this week that's exciting? I turned 40. <laughs> you did. One year older, and yet everyone's commented on how you don't seem to age. They have? What's your secret? Um, Married to a younger man? That's what it is, yep. Keeps me young. Keeps me hopping. You're only as young as the man that you feel? <laughs> what? Wait, nothing. <laughs> Moving right along. Well, I, I noticed something different about your birthday this year. Okay. Do you want to hear it from my perspective? Sure. So generally speaking, Christmas and birthdays have been something that's been very difficult for you to step into and enjoy for a number of reasons. Yes. The difficulty with that is you usually bring a cloud with you over your birthdays to the point where it doesn't matter how much effort I put in, I still feel you feel underwhelmed by it. And this year's felt completely different. Felt like you felt celebrated and enjoyed yourself and you felt like you had a good time is that a fair assessment i did have a good time and i did feel celebrated i would say it is definitely fair to say that birthdays and christmas are usually difficult um but i think it's been getting better over the last couple years um but certainly this year i think was the best and you pulled off surprising me didn't even have the foggiest clue that's right. You, you never thought I'd look that good in a Tarzan outfit. But <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it worked. Thank you, Amazon. That's <laughs> right. And, uh, and we went to the Cheesecake Factory that just opened near our house. Right, which... Is dangerous. It's so dangerous. We don't need the Cheesecake Factory. You know, at least with the Cheesecake Factory being in Green Hills, it was an, a half-hour drive up there. And then probably a half-hour to 40-minute wait. And so you're like, should we go to the Cheesecake Factory? We're like, eh, no, let's not bother going. Where this one is around the corner. Mm, it's really not good. And those corn tamales, I'm convinced that they're really unhealthy for us. But they're so yummy. Well, you don't need convinced. <laughs> it should be blendingly <laughs> obvious. But they are delicious. I'm going to try and figure out a healthy version of them. It is but you goal. enjoyed yourself. I did. I really enjoyed myself a lot. And you got tons of happy comments on Facebook and cards. I did. I was on on my actual birthday. I must have got 40 or 50 texts and then like over 200 messages on Facebook to the point where I asked you if you had asked people to text me and because I was like completely overwhelmed in a really good way. I just, I laid in bed on my birthday evening as I was going to bed and I read all these Facebook comments and I just cried and I just felt really grateful and loved and it's amazing what happens when you change your belief expectation cycle isn't it yeah (laughs) it's amazing Mm -hmm. i love that about you what did you buy today with all your birthday money that you're super excited about i can't wait for it to arrive it's called a phillips air fryer and it literally fries the air no no it uses air. It basically can make anything you can make in a deep fryer, but it only needs one tablespoon of oil, and the rest it just uses hot air. So it's just way healthier. It's far less cool than what I thought it was going to be. Oh. I thought it was a weapon that like Iron Man could use if he was into environmental stuff. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, it, it's so you're going to be disappointed then. <laughs> not if I get good chicken wings out of it. That's though. right. Chicken wings, sweet potato fries. Um. So you had your birthday. That was awesome. And then yesterday morning, I've basically been a single parent this week. You haven't been around at all. Yes. You were away you, yesterday morning for seven hours. Would you like to tell everybody what you were doing? I was doing a self-defense course. Ha! <laughs> okay. Stay back! See? That's mm-hmm. really good. Thank you. Did Thank you learn you. anything other than screaming stay back? Um, I learned all kinds of stuff. I learned how to, if you get like pulled down from behind or if you get grabbed from behind what you do and if they try and choke you, what to do and if they're, if you see them coming at you, what to do and... I mean, if they manage to get you on the ground, what you do, yeah. Was and what is it you want for Christmas now? A taser. <laughs> you actually got to fire a taser, didn't you? I did. I got to fire a taser. And then a couple of our staff volunteered to get tased. Yes, they wanted to feel. They wanted to feel what a taser felt like. He was saying, like, if it was a group of guys, a lot of the guys would ask to feel it. But he was kind of surprised that two of the girls did, and he only. Um, turned it on for less than a second, like three quarters of a second. Um, and both of them almost fell on their face. Like he had them kneel so that they wouldn't drop because he said, he said that when they brought the tasers into the police department, that all the, the they put a thousand dollars on the table and said, anybody who can stand up for three quarters of a second while getting tased can have the thousand dollars. And so all of these cops were like ah, i'll totally be able to do it not one of them could stand up for even three quarters of a second they all dropped it's like that famous um chinese proverb it's not a party till someone gets dazed right yes yes i forgot about that famous chinese proverb <laughs> so you feel more confident about being able to defend yourself as a woman i do when your big burly man isn't around yeah yes <laughs> yes and then Steve Long was in this week. Steve Long, our dear friend from Toronto. He was. Came in and taught on the School of Supernatural Life on Healing. He's so awesome, isn't he? He's amazing. I miss him. Yeah, I too do. Mm-hmm. I do too. It sounded like a Star Wars robot. Um, I do too. We had some <laughs> great chats. Miss you do. <laughs> great conversations. We had some great um, healings too. We did. There's yeah. one I think that I, I actually want to get somebody to come and testify to rather than me share it secondhand. But yeah. An amazing creative miracle, and we'll see if we can get that person to come share their story. Um, I've got a question for you, mm-hmm. but it's not for me. It's from Peter, one of our listeners. Okay. He's got quite a disturbing thing that happens. He said, I, for many years, have a recurring dream about uh, me grieving the passing of my wife. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, you know, what do you think that means? I've read various things. Great things about dreams is... God loves to speak in hyperbole. So yeah. he uses huge exaggeration to hammer home a point. And right. I don't think that dream means that your wife is about to die and that's the literal passing of your wife. Right. I would think rather it's the Lord trying to get your attention over your grief of the passing of your first love. So what is it, what areas of your heart are you finding that you're grieving the loss over something. And perhaps it's an invitation to go back to those things and rekindle passion and love for whatever those areas are. So hopefully that brings some comfort to you. It's not nice having dreams about the death of a loved one or people close to us, but um, but I would be absolutely confident to say that it's not... uh, It's very unlikely that it has anything to do with your wife actually dying. You know what I want to talk about this week, babe? 
What do you want to talk about? I want to talk week? about manifestations. Really? Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Really? Or why does it look like a crazy house sometimes when God shows up? Maybe God doesn't care what it looks like. <laughs> right, no, no. But that's the topic of my my question. Right. Okay. You've told the story before on this podcast about the first time you encountered the Holy Spirit at your church, mm-hmm. our church, mm-hmm. where you got stuck to the floor mm-hmm. for how long? Uh, about three hours. You got stuck to the floor for three hours, couldn't move any part of your body. No, just my eyes. That's handy. Yeah. And our church in Toronto and our church here in uh, Nashville, Gray Center, is known for the Holy Spirit showing up. And, you know, we've been called various things over the years. And I get it. It looks completely strange. I think one of the amusing things to me is that most people who I've spoken to about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit think that when it started happening in 1994 in Toronto that everybody was okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. everybody was expecting it to look like this. But that wasn't the case, was it? No. I think we were continually surprised by some of the things we saw. My favorite story, and I'm sure I've told this, if not on the podcast, I've told it many, many times while speaking, is Mary Audrey Raycroft's reaction the first night it happened, January 20th, 1994. She hears all this commotion. She's leading a Bible study in a room just off the main room. She opens the door to see what the commotion's about. And she's astonished because she can't see anybody. I wonder if she thought the rapture had happened. Nobody was in their chairs. <laughs> she was like, where are all the people? They yeah, just feet up in the air. <laughs> and she looks down on the ground and there's everybody on the ground. Mm-hmm. And she was about to make a judgmental comment about it. And the Lord struck her dumb. Mm-hmm. And what amused me about that is, you know, from an outsider watching what happened and watching everybody go what looks like banana shake, rattle and rolling, people on the floor, people laughing hysterically, people crying, people pogo sticking, people whatever, and people just assuming, oh, you must be all okay with that. But I think what we're okay with, and I say we because I wasn't there at the time, is that God is showing up and so stuff is happening and we'll work out what it is later. Mm -hmm. Would that be fair to say? Mm -hmm. And I think we were okay with God being God and us not understanding Because there's plenty of stuff that God does that I don't understand. And I don't, you know, I'm not his advisor. It's a refreshing (laughs) concept that you don't have to understand everything God's doing. Right. My favorite quote, I think, from John Arnott ever was, uh, you know, John looking around the church at people falling over and doing all this stuff. And John saying, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. And the Lord said to him, John, you don't understand women. What makes you think you'll understand me? But it is weird. Mm. It is very weird. I remember the first time I went to a charismatic church and saw people lifting their hands in worship, and that was weird for me. Sure. Anything outside of your own paradigm is weird. Right. And God loves to stretch our paradigms. I remember hearing people say that if you fall backwards, it's Satan, but if you fall forward, it's God. And therefore, everybody who's falling backwards, it must have been Satan. (laughs) Where did you hear that? (laughs) I don't know. People will come up with the craziest doctrine to make themselves feel better about what's happening. (laughs) Okay. Well, I never heard that one. That's very entertaining. And then people would, you know, always go to the extreme, you know, like animals, animal noises in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I was in Toronto for five years. Mm -hmm. The only time I heard animal noises was you. (laughs) (laughs) thanks <laughs> and then later me when you know claudio friesen prayed for me we yeah. can maybe talk about that later but what was your reaction at first to seeing all the manifestations and by manifestations i mean when people being prayed for them having a physical reaction 
to the Holy Spirit's presence? What was your reaction? Well, my, I mean, obviously my initial reaction was that I was leaving the church. And then after God sorted me out that night on the floor and just basically said, you, you know, you need to make a choice. Either I'm going to be in control or you are. And I was like, right, okay, you're probably a better person to be in control than I am. So I, uh, I mean, honestly, I would still see stuff that I was like, what on earth is going on there? But I would just be like, okay, Lord, help me not to judge. I don't know what's going on with them. And if, if, if it was somebody I knew, I would often check with them afterwards and be like, hey, what was God doing? You know, and often like while it looks bizarre on the outside, they're, you know, having a vision or God's restoring something to them or, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess it kind of makes sense that, you know, it looked like you were riding a bicycle because actually you were in a vision with the Lord riding a bicycle and, you know, it was restoring that time that your dad wouldn't take you riding or, do you know what I mean? Like, so you, you'd sort of get to the point where you're like, okay, actually I'm, I want to be really quick not to judge right, and to just wait and see what the fruit is. That's probably the most helpful thing I'd heard, John. Whenever we do conferences, John would always try and take time in a session to answer questions about manifestations. And it was so comforting to hear, first of all, that John wasn't just okay with anything going. Mm -hmm. And second of all, that there was actually a really plausible and logical way of approaching manifestations. And I think what you just said about actually following up with people is amazing. I remember John using this example, which I don't think I'll ever forget. And he said, let's go back to the time of Jesus. And you're a young Jewish person. And you've heard some rumors in the synagogue that the Messiah has returned. And you hear that he's ministering. And so you go over to the Gerasenes and you, you, you know, there's a crowd gathering. You think, oh, this must be this hotshot Jesus. Some people are saying there's a Messiah. Some people are saying that he's, you know, from the devil. And so you go and watch and it just happens to be the time when Jesus is casting out legion from this demoniac and they're going into all these pigs and the pigs are running and throwing themselves over a cliff and you just approach the crowd just as that's happening and you take one look at it and go where's that in the Torah right there's all these unclean animals they're throwing themselves around you've just destroyed the livelihood of the people in that village there's this uh, naked guy rolling around on the ground this can't be God and you leave and you just think everything I heard is right the guy's a maniac. This right. is insane. And that's all you see of it. And that's all you see and you go away. And that's what a lot of our critics did. They would either not show up right. or they would scour <laughs> YouTube and find the worst video. So they would miss, you know, they would just come for the end of the ministry time and just go, this can't be God. Look at all these people rolling around on the floor. And John's point was a snapshot is a cheap shot. You know, you just go in with your with a still camera, take a picture and just say, that can't be God. A much better approach is to take a video camera because if we go back to the example of being a young Jewish person trying to work out if Jesus is the Messiah or not, if you had stayed around and not walked off because you were offended, you would have later seen that that naked man who was a demoniac is now fully clothed and dressed and in his right mind. And in the same way that the people who just you know look at YouTube videos and go, it's the Kundalini spirit, it's ridiculous, completely missed the fact that there was maybe an hour, at least an hour, probably two hours of glorious God-honoring worship. Then there would be the preaching of the word, there'd be salvation where people would get saved, and then there would be ministry time. And even then, when it was absolutely crazy, if you would interview the people and say, what was God doing? You would often find life-changing events happening. Yeah, and they could talk and they knew what was going on with them. They weren't in some sort of weird trance or anything like that. Right. One of the greatest examples of this was the first time I met Steve Long. I didn't know Steve, and he was ministering in Glasgow. 
and I'd driven through from Edinburgh to see what he was doing. And he just stood up and said, hi, my name's Steve. It's great to be here. I'm one of the pastors in Toronto. And hey, I'm here to teach on healing, but maybe before we teach on it, maybe we should just demonstrate it. So why don't we find the sickest person in the room and we'll get them healed. And then everybody after that should be really easy. What do you think? And I'm thinking, wait, what are we doing? And so he just said, well, who do you think the sickest person in the room is? And we all agreed it was the lady in the wheelchair. So then I said, who's never healed somebody before? And two women put up their hands. And he said, all right, well, you come out. And so what we're going to do is you're going to ask the lady if she's okay with you putting your hands on her. So she said, yeah. And so he said, all right, then what you're going to do is you're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. So these two women who've never prayed or never seen a sick person healed before are standing next to a woman who's in a wheelchair and they just say the words, Holy Spirit, come. And all of a sudden, these two women who are praying start wobbling and giggling and kind of jerking all over the place. And Steve's comment is, wow, look at that. That's really weird. And so he interviews the ladies going, like, what are you feeling? They're like, we're feeling power go through our body. And he's like, oh. And he said, yeah, it still looks weird though, doesn't it, folks? And then he said to the lady in the wheelchair, how are you feeling? She's like, I feel amazing. He said, what do you mean I feel amazing? He said, well, all my pain's going away, and I feel this warm sensation of love. And he said, does it bother you that the women who are praying for you are jerking? And she said, no, I feel amazing. And he's like, that's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. You know, should it be any surprise that something happens to our bodies when we allow the power of God to flow through us? Right. Well, again, John used to say, if you were to lick your fingers and stick them in the socket in the wall, your body would have a reaction, you know, how much more the power of God. So, yeah, I mean, certainly it's, yeah, sometimes it's challenging and you have to just go, okay, I, I don't get what's going on over there. I can check back in later, but I'm going to choose to not enter into judgment because actually that would rob you of being able to enter into what the Holy Spirit has for you. And to be fair, sometimes it's absolutely just the flesh. Yeah. It's people making stuff up. Yeah. You know, so let's you know, let's not just say everything that's happening is God. No, I, I think though, even when it when it is the flesh, often it's those people are so desperate to feel a touch from the Lord that they think that manufacturing something will help them get there. You right. know, I don't think it's out of like some kind of deviousness. No, they think if I do what they're doing, I'll right. get what they're getting. Right. Mark DuPont's point was brilliant. He just said, I don't understand why you're upset about whether it's the flesh. You've had flesh in your church for years. Most mm-hmm. of it's just been cold flesh, not hot flesh. And what he meant by that is for years, you have people who are faking being in touch with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have people who come in and who sing songs and give money and sit down and they're well-behaved people who are operating in the flesh. Right. And that's what upsets us. And I think probably the root issue is anything, like you said, outside of our comfort zone causes us concern. Yeah. Because I remember getting really offended by people raising their hands in worship. And then I remember getting over that. And I'm like, I'm good. And then I got really offended by people falling over. And then I was okay with that. And then I got, you know, then I actually got quite comfortable with what the Holy Spirit was doing. And then I was at a church service where they started praying for people to get gold teeth, and I was completely offended. <laughs> See, I loved, I loved the gold teeth because um, I worked at the the building right next door to the church when I right. worked for National Car Rental. And when the whole gold teeth thing was happening, I brought a whole bunch of people over a couple times from National Car Rental. While the services were on, I would just bring them in, 
you know, I would find it, I would, you know, beep somebody and say, is it prayer time? Yeah, it is. And I bring them over and they get prayed for and they, they get gold teeth. And like one of the VPs got a gold tooth. And um, so let me stop you there for a second, Mm -hmm. because we just casually mentioned this story. But my problem, and I should say, I don't have a problem now. It's one of my favorite miracles to see. It's absolutely one of my favorite things to see amalgam filling turn into gold fillings. I think it's remarkable. I don't know why it fascinates me so much, but it does. Or when people's whole tooth goes gold. I love that. Mm -hmm. But let's just stop for a second. The reason I was so offended was why would God, you know, with all the starving children in the world, why would God bother about gold gold teeth? I don't know. Maybe it's just a sign that makes you wonder. (laughs) Right. I mean, you got to think gold to God is just the pavement of heaven. Right. And amalgam fillings are highly toxic. Right. So, um, anyway, this one VP that came over, uh, he got a solid gold tooth. And it turned out he had been, you know, um, just kind of dormant in his relationship with the Lord for a while. Right. And, uh, after that happened, he was like, oh my gosh, God is real. I have to, you know, I have to reignite this relationship, you know, that that he'd let grow dormant. So that was really, really cool. And, you know, I got to lead a couple of people to the Lord as a result because they just came in and they were like, I don't know. I came in, my teeth were black. Now they're gold. God must be real. Tell me about God. Right. You know, it's crazy. So it was so fun. Like I loved it. I wasn't offended, but it's funny. A lot of people got offended about the gold teeth. You know, exactly why would God do that? I don't know, because he's God and he gets to decide what he does. Tell me the story of Shannon's Nana. Because that was one of the, like for me, that settled my heart. Like I heard her at the 10-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. Randy had her up giving her testimony. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know her better than I do. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just remember her saying, these lines, I was dignified but dying. Mm-hmm. So set up the story and set up what happened. Oh, gosh. To the I, best of your memory. Okay, best of my memory. Well, um, Shannon, yeah. if you're listening to this, you can no doubt correct us. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nana's name is Carol for her first name. And um, I think she was a nurse at one point. She was, yeah. Um, but her health started going downhill. She ended up with like lupus and then a whole bunch of other things, like a slew of things. So she lived with Shannon and her family because she couldn't live on her own. She couldn't take care of herself. She was on something like 40 something medications a day. Um, And she was dying. And she was literally dying and there was nothing they could do to help her. She was weak. You know, she, they had to help her go to the, you know, get into the bathroom, all that kind of stuff. Like she was, you know, basically her whole body was shutting down. And when the renewal started, they brought her to the renewal. And I can't remember if they brought her several nights in a row or what the deal was, but she, um, you know, to begin with, which most conservative Christians didn't, but she didn't like it. You know, she was like, how can this be God? And Right, because you know, it looked like everybody was crazy. Drunk. It looked like craziness. It right. really did. And... um. Anyway, she got totally wasted, totally, like, totally drunk to the point where they, as a family, had to pick her up and carry her to the car. She couldn't walk. She couldn't help them at all. And she said in her testimony that the reason she was so drunk was she had a vision of of a wine glass and Jesus was in the wine glass, which sounds so offensive. And she fell into it. 
And the moment she fell into it, she was absolutely overcome by the Holy Spirit's presence and was completely inebriated. Like couldn't walk, couldn't talk, like, had no They took her home and for three days she couldn't do a thing on her own. Like not a thing. She couldn't feed herself. She just she laughed. She just laughed. <laughs> she just lied around laughing. But she got totally healed of everything off of every medication. I think it's funny that we not only want, like, yes, do we want sick people healed? Yeah, we absolutely do. But we don't only want that. We want to dictate how it happens. Right. Guess what? You don't get to be God. <laughs> right. And there, he seems to take great delight in messing with us. Yeah. You know, John once asked the Lord, he said, you know, Lord, you seem to really enjoy it when people fall down when we pray for them. And I don't understand that. And the Lord said to him, well, John, it deals very effectively with two conditions of the human heart that I don't care for. One, fear, and the other, pride. Because fear says, well, God, I really want you, but I, I don't want, you know. What are these people going to think? Right. right. And pride says, well, I want you, but I'm not going to do that. Right. And he says in one foul swoop, it deals with those very, very effectively. It, it requires huge humility to just stand up and say, yeah, I'd like to receive prayer and go to the front of the church. Because what if nothing happens? Mm -hmm. Or worse, what if that something does happen? And, you know, I know from my experience that... When I met the Holy Spirit for the first time, I was just broken. I was recovering from a nervous breakdown. I was recovering from, you know, really being suicidal, being overwhelmed with grief and despair. And I met the Holy Spirit. Somebody prayed for me, and I fell down, which was uncommon to me. And when I hit the floor, I just sobbed for 45 minutes. And inside, I'm just like, get it together, Jones. What are you, like, what are you doing? And I'm just doing the, you know, chest, <laughs> you know, wailing. Mm -hmm. And when I got up from that, I, you know, I didn't see in technicolor. I didn't have angelic visitations. I wasn't speaking in tongues. I almost thought nothing had happened, and yet everything had happened. Mm -hmm. And from that not from that point on. It took me a couple of years really to process what happened. But I remember in going to Toronto, the most overwhelming feeling I would have when the Holy Spirit would touch me would be like a warm, heavy blanket, like a duvet falling on me where you're unable to get up because you're just surrounded with love and you're being suffocated with his goodness. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you're, I mean, you've seen me so many times, your speech is slurred, you're just absolutely inebriated in his love yeah. and you're 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 just overwhelmed and it, if you think about it in the natural like i remember when i was first dating you just seeing you would have a physical effect on my emotions and on my body for sure you know my pupils would dilate my breathing was intense. When you'd hold my hands, I'd get this warm, tingly feeling. And then your hands would get sweaty. Yeah, I, I would like <laughs> tremble on the inside. And that's just me encountering a human and you're having a physical manifestation in my body. Right. What is it like when a human has an encounter with the person of love? Right. The John says, God. it's not surprising that we have a physical reaction to encountering the creator of the world, the surprising thing is that we live through the experience. Right. I think my craziest thing that shut me up pretty quick was, I remember it was the Parties Here Conference, July 2002. Mm -hmm. And I went, and I was so offended because Carol was had got off the stage and was wandering around 
throwing, and I'm making air quotes with my fingers here, fireballs, to wit, what it actually looked like was this grown woman wandering around, to my eyes, pretending to throw things at people, which was completely invisible. Mm -hmm. And then to my absolute horror, it would seem that when people got hit, again in air quotes, by a fireball, they would double over. And I'd think, seriously, why are we tolerating this woman doing this ridiculous thing? And I'm just offended. I'm thinking, we just move on. You know, I'm just upset. And I'm just happy in my self-righteousness and my indignation at just things not being done decently in order. So the next night, they do testimony time, and they just say, has anyone got testimony? And a woman gets up. And a woman starts out her testimony saying exactly what I said. You know, I just was horrified that this woman was wandering around a room throwing fireballs at people and thinking, seriously, is this what we've come to? She said, until she came to the end of my aisle and threw a fireball at me. And when it hit me, my deaf ear popped open. And I was suddenly like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that person cares that Karen was throwing a fireball because her deaf ear just got healed. Right. Again, we're back to dictating the way that we're going to get healed. Right. You know, I'm sure it was pretty offensive when Jesus spat in the ground and made mud and put it on somebody's eyes. Oh, sure. You're like, where's that in the Torah? Well, it wasn't until he, he did right. that. And so people get hung up with, well, where's that in the Bible? And the truth is there's lots of weird stuff in the Bible. Plenty of there's weird stuff. plenty of weird stuff yeah. in the Bible. And actually that question, where's that in the Bible, is a really good question to ask if the motive of your heart is right. Mm -hmm. I've had people say to me, where's that in the Bible? And people say, hey, can you help me? Where's... I'm just struggling with where that's in the Bible. The first, I don't have a lot of time for. The second, I'll spend hours talking about. Um, we have to wrap it up. Oh, yes, let's wrap it up. You know what I wanted to do was, I wanted to do a couple of things. Do you um, want to sing a wrap-up song? Um, I don't, definitely don't want to do that. Okay, um, okay. someone call a medic. AJ's <laughs> having a heart attack. That was me rapping. I have some closing thoughts. Okay. And then I'd like to do a closing prayer. Okay. My closing thoughts are, yes. there's a bunch of new articles up on our website, alanandaj.com. There's they, some articles there on are. soaking, on getting stuff done. And our most recent article, which goes live tomorrow, is um, all about believing and the importance of believing God. But we are going to write an article on manifestations. So if this has kind of prompted more questions than we've given answers for, hold on. We'll probably post a link to a teaching on manifestations, but we're also going to write an article on manifestations. So that will be up in a couple of weeks that you can have there. But I wanted to close with praying for people, especially people who've been maybe weirded out or people have been sent weird uh, YouTube videos and, and maybe you've backed off from pursuing the Holy Spirit for fear that you are going to somehow get um, an evil spirit. Or, or And you've got to remind yourself what Jesus said, you know, if you ask your Father for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get an evil spirit. If you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask him for fish, you're not going to get a serpent. That's not who he is. That's not what he's like. So let me pray for you, and then you can go about the rest of your day, and may you have an incredible week. But Father, Adrian, and I just pray for all these wonderful listeners. Lord, I ask that your heart would be revealed to them, Lord, that they don't need to fear walking with you. That yes, you're an amazing, powerful God who's incredibly loving and incredibly fun. And Lord, I just ask that you would break off any fear that we may have, Lord, that we're going to get some counterfeit spirit. And Lord, you're good and you're great and you're amazing. And we just pray, Lord, a filling of the Holy Spirit and everybody who's listening right now, mm -hmm. that we would not try and control you, you but we would yield to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we would recognize that you're God and we're not. Mm -hmm. 
And Lord, that you would just fill us up. We'd have an incredible week. And uh, Lord, you just bless us in incredible ways. And Mm. we thank you for your goodness and your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.